welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm Stephanie Flam, and I'm here with Alex Horowitz to help me host today's episode. Um, so normally we go into these episodes with a pretty specific topic, but today we're here to spotlight a particular artist who's doing some really unique stuff on the scene right now. Uh, the TuneCore team met today's guest at South by Southwest back in March of this year, and we're so excited to have her on the podcast. Welcome Haley Dahl, otherwise known as Sloppy Jane. Hello. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah. You know, sweaty. Yeah, it's a sweaty Brooklyn <laughs> day. <laughs> sweaty, tired. I live in New York. <laughs> Awesome. So to start, can you give us a little bit of background and how you got into music in the first place? Um, well, I played piano as a kid, but as far as formal training goes, I have none. Um, I grew up, uh, you know, I got into music like in, in middle school around when I got into Marilyn Manson. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, this is me. And I shaved off my eyebrows and learned bass. Um, That's awesome because I was also into Marilyn Manson and I did not commit that part. (laughs) (laughs) There's some very good photos of me somewhere on the internet. uh, Somewhere on MySpace. Yeah, my MySpace still exists. I... I won't say what it is, but if someone finds it, that's fine. But <laughs> but I think that it should be for those who are willing to try and look. That should be like the end um, of the episode reveal. Yeah, like when they have to that should to be when I, when I plug my social media. <laughs> I'll I'll just put my MySpace. MySpace. Um, but they I had like you know like really like long black like straightened hair parted in the middle and wore like eight inch boots and like corsets every day and shaved off my eyebrows and wore white makeup and it was just totally incredible. Um, but But, you know, I got into music like around then I wanted to play bass in a band really badly. Uh, uh, And I but I did not have friends because I have a horrible personality. (laughs) And so so I just um, I started writing songs um, and the idea was eventually that I would write these songs uh, and then, you know, get people to play them and we would like find a front person to sing the songs and I would play bass in the band um and that just never happened you know like I mean I found musicians to play them but like I never you know I mean also because the music was terrible at the beginning too like it wasn't like anyone was like wow these are great I want to sing these songs you know Mm -hmm. so you didn't wake up one day and the muse had touched your shoulder and you just had fully formed projects <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I feel like in my head, it always looked a lot like what it's starting to look like now. Interesting. And it's always been really huge to me in my head. Um, and it's always been very, very serious. Like when I was, you know, 15 years old and started the band Sloppy Jane and, you know, had like one or two people in it learning the learning the crummy songs like I decided that it was what I was doing for the rest of my life like and it was not good and it was not big um but I really really believed it was and like deluded myself basically into continuing and and I feel like a few years from now I'll probably be saying the same thing about what I'm doing right now you know like and and I think that um, that's important that the important thing is always to be sure yeah I mean I think that that is because I because I sort of feel that way in the art that I make too is like 
you just you you know what you're striving for and you're like i i have the taste to see that this isn't quite it yet but like i think the people who are really successful are the people who are like no i know that this isn't great yet but i see the potential for it to be great and i just have to like stay on this road exactly so if you found like as your bar has risen and that's changed, has like your taste changed or your genres and things like that? Or is it still the same? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I like all different kinds of music, but the things that. The album definitely reflects that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, the, the things that I like the most don't really have anything to do with genre. I mean, like as far as like, I mean, even like whatever genre that Marilyn Manson belongs to was not even necessarily a genre that I subscribed to as a whole like I loved him and what he did Mm -hmm. and that's true of pretty much like every artist or record that I like is there's like one person in every genre who made something that specifically caters to an obsessive audience um and that's what I think is interesting like that's the work that is like the most potent to me is the artists that where it's very committed like first thought to last thought the um the songs the themes in the songs the records the videos the live performances like all the way down to like having like 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 clearly somebody who is consistently reading the room and wants to make something that is satisfied as a whole like that's satisfying as a whole to somebody who is looking at it with a magnifying glass you know and like that's the those are all of the artists that are interesting to me um mostly i mean like there's ones that are like more impressive musically or more impressive you know in other ways but but the people that i identify with the most um are the ones that uh really were focused on making something that was like from start to end completely iconic and like kind of uh just airtight as an entire package um so the music isn't where the art starts and ends then is that right yeah i mean the music matters above everything else because Mm -hmm. if you have something that you know i mean i look down upon performance art as a as a medium um i think that that it's like a, a summation for something that is that is half a lot of things and committing to none of them and that's just very image focused yeah um so i'm not saying that the music doesn't matter because to me the music matters absolutely the most but having having a really important i guess skin to present it through i think matters a lot too especially in a day and age where things are so image focused Mm -hmm. you know like i think what i'm doing like if you listen to our records or listen to the music or uh the live show it's it's all and there's moments of you know where there's like a pop formula or something that like a, a chorus that is accessible or something but like what i do is pretty weird you know like it's just like musically it's like it's a little bit strange and i think that like in order to get people like i have to like read the room of the entire universe and recognize that if i wanted if i want people to relate to what i'm doing or care about or even listen to it 
listen to what I have to say, that I have to present it in a way that is appealing, you know? Um, and I think that that's important. And, and so I think that that stuff matters depending on what you're doing. Yeah, so I think that is an awesome segue into my next question, which is I think the industry has always had this need for artists that sort of carve out their own place in the industry. Like they don't fit into the box of, or like the footsteps of the people um, who have come before them. So like Madonna, Prince, Lady Gaga, Nicki Minaj, like these people who um, they're, they're obviously more mainstream than I think we're, we're talking about in this conversation, but like, people who's who have really fully committed like the music is one part but the the whole personality is the thing that you're like signing up for yes like you go to the shows to see them yes not just to hear their music so um especially now like i mean this is something that i've talked about a lot too like in terms of us having an engaging live show um you know, we're often playing at venues with just tragic sounds, you know, like, I mean, people do not know how to mix a 10 piece band. Like, let me tell you, you know, even good places don't know. I give them a cue sheet with like three pages. The guy at the Mercury Lounge, Bobby, he's very good. But so, but so far everyone cheers else, Bobby. cheers Bobby, <laughs> shout out. Um, but the, but every, but everyone else, I mean, like they just, uh, it's just terrible. They have no idea how it's supposed to sound, whatever, you know? And so, like... And you have 10 people, you said? Yeah, or it's a 10-piece yeah. band. And uh, the, the you know, the record, you can hear every... Like, it's never going to sound as good live as it does on the record, like, as far as crispness goes, you know? Because records, like, you mix it. It's very controlled. Like, you know how it's going to sound to the listener. And, uh, and so... People can go home and check out a record and hear everything that you meant for them to hear sonically. But in order to do that, you have to make them care enough to do it. And Mm -hmm. so having an engaging live show, people seem to not care about doing that anymore. uh, But I think it's more important than ever if you want people to actually go home and listen to your music because they're certainly not going to hear what it sounds like live. Yeah, that's actually such a good point. Like, I'm just thinking about... um just anecdotally, I listened to the new National album and I didn't really love it when it first came out. And then I saw them live and I was like, oh, no, I actually really like this album. I just needed to see it live in yeah. order to like I needed to have that presence in order for me to take it home with me. Totally. Um, so aside from Marilyn Manson, do you have any other like do you have people whose presence uh has oh. like influenced you or influences you currently yeah absolutely to absolutely um i guess like sort of in order of like lifetime appearance is uh, my first few very large influences came from um movies mm. that i saw as a child um hans conried's performance in the five thousand fingers of dr t which is a uh which is dr seuss's only live action film um, it's really insane, um, and it's about this evil piano teacher. Um, By Dr. Seuss, you said? Dr. Seuss, yeah. Interesting. I uh, swear to God, I was just reading about him like a day ago. He's my hero. He's fascinating. <laughs> he's all the he worked with like Mel Blanc on a bunch of weird political stuff during the war. Yes. Oh yeah, he's fascinating he has guy. super weird stuff from World War <laughs> yeah, One. He's got weird stuff. World War One or World but, War Two. But uh, no, Hans Conried's performance in the Five Thousand Fingers of Dr. T. Um, 
Patty McCormick's performance in The Bad Seed. Oh, <laughs> when Good I was reference. when I was younger and I and I watched that I was like ooh you know we actually have one of our old an older song that we don't play anymore we have a song called Rhoda's Revenge that's about her hmm. um, it's kind of like a tribute to that and uh and then um, you know as I got a little bit older like I found you know Marilyn Manson and I was like oh my God there's this whole thing uh, and then. A little bit later on, like early high school, I discovered Courtney Love and was like, oh, my God, I, you know, the the thing that I relate to the most with her is uh, she's very clearly trying to make something beautiful, you know, and and her work, to, like, you know, she, her music is heartbreaking. The image, is, they're completely beautiful, but she has this voice that's broken and she's been through a lot and anger surges through the things that she works on. And, and I think that she's very often mis- misinterpreted as like an artist that's based in, uh, based in aggressiveness. But I think that like really like it's over and over watching somebody who is broken try to make something beautiful, which is something that I, I hugely relate to. And um, kind of like finding her records as a young teenager, like was what made me realize that I could do something uh, meaningful as the person that I am. Um, and then, you know, Frank Zappa, massive influence. Obviously, I feel like that's just obvious. That's an excellent <laughs> one technical of, musician. Too. One of the most Perfect. obvious uh, things. Um, but he, he is. Um, you know, over and over again is somebody who did things that were uh, just phenomenally large. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that he would talk about them was just so technical where it just didn't seem like he'd even considered that it couldn't be done. And and he's somebody that I I think about a lot when I'm facing a a large undertaking uh, as a a project or something that seems like it's gonna be really time-consuming or logistically difficult, like, I try to just take a deep breath and, and let a giant love poem turn into a math problem. Mm. And then you just solve each piece and it's, you know, and anything can be done that way, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and so he he was really huge to me in that way. Um, you know, in, in that same vein, Captain Beefheart, mm. also insane. Uh, you know, uh, James Brown and the way that he ran his live band and his live act is a huge influence on me. Um, uh, just in like sort of like the militant practice structures um, and the like very intricate small secret gestures to let your band know that they're either in big trouble <laughs> <laughs> and um, the uh, you know and in that same vein Phil Spector uh, mm-hmm. in the way that he produced is a um, in the way that he would kind of create artist conditions and let those conditions dictate their playing I think is uh, really wonderful uh, Brian Wilson obviously everyone feels that way me too uh, the record Smiley Smile um, I got really into in like early adulthood um, I, had, I had been into it on and off but I had like a serious moment with it with a dear friend of mine um, where we decided that we wanted to be able to write something as special as that record um, and have harmonies that were like that strange but that beautiful um we wanted to really understand how it worked and we decided that we would listen only to that album and no other music until we had every single harmony part memorized in the entire record um and we listened to only smiley smile by the beach boys for four months oh my god 
Is that reflected in the current album? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because I was writing that I was writing that record like during that time. That you know, sense. and so like I the um and you know, it probably would have been easier and taken less time like had I been somebody who's trained or knows music theory or had you know, but I'm not. So it took four months to memorize every single harmony and smiley smile. But I have them all memorized oh. now. I could sing them all at any anywhere. You could start anywhere. I know that record better than I know myself and I think (laughs) like I think that's so cool too I I mean I just the thing that's sitting with me is like turning a love poem into a math problem it's like yeah like taking because in order for it to translate you know outside of your own experience especially when you're doing something that's so niche is um or like specific is like okay I have this feeling and then I have to figure out like all of the different ways that this comes out instead of just being um like self-serving yeah or because sometimes like you can perform and it feels really really good and it's not translating out at all of course so so yeah taking these like huge undertakings and yeah and a big part of that i think too um that's something there's a few things that i think people are not considering enough right now in music uh because of the emphasis that's being placed on releasing content um one thing that's important to remember if you're a musician is that the good part is making it and that that's the only (laughs) thing that's important and that releasing things feels like nothing and a lot of times feels like garbage Hmm. to put something out (laughs) because then Hmm. this thing that you've worked so hard on is all of a sudden just like another you know, it's right between a picture of somebody's breakfast and the president of the United States. (laughs) And there's just, you know, it just doesn't have any meaning anymore, you know? And And so you're like, this is my dream. And you're like, oh, wait, this feels not how it's supposed to feel, you know? But that's because we're putting too much weight as artists on the releasing process of something and how that's supposed to be the part that feels like something, but that's not the part that feels like something. It's the part that feels like something is making something, Mm -hmm. you know, and in that same vein, incubation I think is very important um, because before you let a love poem become a math problem, you have to let a feeling or an experience become a love poem, you know, and you have to let yourself sit in some horrible feeling for a very long time and you have to like sit in your room and be like clutching your heart and being like I'm so miserable I'm reaching the point where I can no longer handle the way that I feel and need to reach out for safety and then you need to find that there is nowhere to reach and still sit there for extra longer until eventually it turns into something and then you have this whole big cathartic mess of emotion and you eventually turn it into something and then it's something and then you're like okay and now this thing that has been so precious that has belonged to only me in this secret incubation tunnel is now ready to become a math problem now how logistically can I make this thing happen and then you write out the steps and then you just do each of those steps and then it happens and then it exists and then you know hopefully you should you should honestly start the next thing before you even put it out so that you don't even have to pay attention to something coming out because it's a terrible feeling. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I was on tour when our record came out and I was so glad to be on tour 
so that I didn't have to just like sit at the computer and like wonder if people were gonna listen to it yeah. and like it on Facebook, you know? <laughs> Have you indulged since then and looked into yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I look myself up on the internet you like 12 gotta. times a day, you know? Like, it's, it's unfortunate, but I definitely do. <laughs> Honestly, who doesn't? If yeah. you don't, you are a saint. If you don't, you're a liar who does. <laughs> so true. Totally. So that so then that brings to, like, the larger thing of your of your stage, your, your whole thing is... Yeah. Um, so you perform completely in the nude for your live shows. Yes. Is that all the time or? Um, it is usually. It's part of what's going on right now. Yeah. I don't think that I'll do it forever because um, I don't think it's going to be. It's directly related to the themes of the record, which yeah. is why I do it right now. Um, and it, the, I'm not nude for the entire show. I do get dressed. I used to not like it's changed, you know, with with, it, with what it is right now. I do get dressed like usually like halfway through the set. Um, and I don't always do it. The times that I don't do it, it's usually because I was asked not to. Mm-hmm. And that's fine with like I cannot do it. I assume like school assemblies, things like school that. assemblies, uh, prom, churches, proms, etc. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, they don't love it when I do it at prom. So I don't do it. All those times that you were (laughs) when we went on our tour of proms, you know, I learned pretty quickly that 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 kind of attitude would you know, I would love to play a prom. Like I would that would be awesome. I would love to. I would love to do it. I would and I would put on a really wholesome show. Like I mean, as a person I uh I'm very wholesome. Like in in reality, you know, like I don't I don't drink, I don't do drugs, like you know, I very Frank Zappa. I'm a, I'm celibate. Also, I've been celibate for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm totally like not, um, not um, some pervert freak. <laughs> you know, uh, so like I, I think it's um, it's interesting. It's interesting how much people think that I like wouldn't be willing to keep my clothes on for a show, or would be like yeah. offended to be asked, like. If somebody wanted us to do like a different version of the set, all they would have to do is ask. And uh, once in a while, we've run into a thing where we've like run into a scrape with a venue where like we've gotten in trouble or our set's been shut off and everyone's mad at me. And I'm like, you know, like if you had done your research and seen what we do and then had politely asked me to keep my clothes on, like, believe it or not, like I, uh, I relish an opportunity to be paid to keep my clothes on. <laughs> you know, I so, feel that so. So hard. I, so I, I would definitely do it, and I have, and Isn't I would. Isn't that why we all go to work in a sense? Yeah, exactly. So, it's, do you ever can get confronted with like a? Um, it's interesting you called your music weird because I was going to use the word like avant garde or something, mm-hmm. but I also consider myself pretty weird, and I like the music, so maybe that all kind of fits. Yeah. Um, but so, well, as an avant garde just a college word for weird 100% which is why I'm describing myself (laughs) excuse me I need a minute to justify myself here but so the reason I ask is because you you call the music weird it's you go out there you perform naked you mentioned that sometimes people react to that do you ever face people making assumptions that because the music is not a classic like pop record per se that you perform in a way that many people consider surprising clearly some of these venue guys were somewhat surprised Mm -hmm. like do people assume that 
do they do they sense the work that goes into what you created? Like, and you create an album that it sounds to me like that album wasn't an accident as a set piece, which is even <laughs> something that not many people do anymore. It's a collection of singles on a record. You put something really careful together. Yes. Do people sometimes not have their minds open to that because of your non-traditional approach to it? Yeah, I think that definitely, like, the point is often missed. Um, and, you know, I think that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are many opportunities within the record and the live set, and one of the reasons that what we do is versatile and has an arc to it um, is because I know that the message that I am trying to convey is confusing and personal and that it doesn't relate to things that everybody relates to immediately and that the whole point of making art is to try to give people the tools to empathize with you um and uh and that doesn't work just by shoving a message down somebody's throat like a statement you know and i don't have a statement like that that's simple enough to do that with and so i i think (laughs) that like i you know, the reason that there's so many shifts within the music and the live set is is like I'm trying to um, give as many different people an opportunity to engage with it as possible. Like I do believe that if anybody watches the set um, there and you watch it carefully or with an open mind or whatever, there will be one moment in which, in which you realize that we're the same um and like and then from there we can travel to the end of this journey together you know and so like it's it's that sort of thing um and some people do get caught in the glue trap of the nudity at the beginning of the set and they cannot look past it and that's you know that's what it is and that's uh, and i understand with what i do that that will happen like i don't know i'm banned from facebook right now because somebody uh, somebody tagged me in a naked photo of myself. I didn't even post it. You know, I used to post them. I kept getting banned. I learned. I grew. I discovered that you can't get away with doing that ever. You know, and so uh, and so I stopped doing it. But we, I, I was tagged in a photo of myself, and still for some reason Facebook banned me or whatever. And like I've had a lot of people and like photographers who post pictures of me being naked and have them be taken down. Yeah, get really up in arms and like post big things about like the censorship of bodies, et cetera, et cetera. And like, but the thing is, is like, you know, they're not me and they're not the ones doing it. I'm not doing it out of a sense of like a need for it. Like, I'm not a nudist. I'm not trying to feel like empowered by something specifically. Um, I think that like, I recognize that by doing what I do, I will get in trouble. You know, like I know that every time I take my clothes off on stage, I'm agreeing to be arrested, Is that which hasn't of- happened yet. But like I but I recognize that, like, even if I disagree that it's illegal, that it is illegal, like I'm not a baby, you know, like <laughs> I understand that I'm doing something illegal and that that has consequences. I also realize that I'm doing something that to some people is controversial and that that means that perhaps they won't be open-minded to the rest of what I do, you know? And like, but I also realize that I'm doing something that receives attention, which hopefully will get more people to look at something that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise because it's too 
avant-garde <laughs> <laughs> or something you know I and like I, well yeah I, so <laughs> and i think that's something too like i don't know uh bringing it back from my uh my junior year of college experimental theater and life and art class <laughs> that i took it's like i, I feel like avant-garde is also it's also about like posing a question without having an answer which mm-hmm. like becomes a political thing and that's not what you're doing what yeah. you're doing is like well I don't think that I have an answer specifically to like I do think that the story that I'm telling is conclusionless but um I don't think that the work is specifically smart you know what I mean and, and I'm not saying that I'm not smart or and I'm not saying that it's stupid but I'm saying that I think that it like is less heavy like I don't know. There's like a few interpretations of the work that I think are like very, uh, like people almost give it too much thought, mm-hmm. you know, like a, um, where they're like trying to like really like decide um, what side of a line it's sitting on, you know. And I think I'm kind of just run, like you know I'm just being as honest as I can be, and I'm trying to make something as big as I can and as interesting as I can, um, and. You know, the songs themselves, like, they have their, you know, like, really bizarre moments, but, like, also at their core, you know, have, like, have, like, pretty, like, poppy choruses or, like, and hooks, you know? Like, they're not, it isn't, like, I wouldn't say, I would say there's, like, experimental elements to the music, but I wouldn't also just straight up, like, categorize myself as, like, an experimental artist. I think, I think that all artists should experiment you know and I think that I do in my work experiment but that the songs are still you know they fall in the category of songs and that my band does still fall in the category of being a band you know yeah Um, and then with that line too where you're saying like I acknowledge that what I'm doing is illegal and I'm acknowledging that I could get arrested for this thing, but that's not why I'm doing it. No, it's not why I'm doing it, but I think that, like, there is a separation, like, I don't know, I've seen, like, there's so many reasons for people to get arrested and not, you know, And and I think that, like, legality is an interesting thing. I don't know. I'm trying to trying to figure out the best way to phrase what I'm saying. I think that people don't choose meaningful ways to break the law very much right now. Mm-hmm. And that I have a lot of friends who like you know, have been like arrested for like selling drugs or for, you know, running a DIY space where they were illegally selling alcohol to minors or something um and then want the community to bail them out of jail for some reason you know and I'm like and I'm like I get it like you're doing your thing etc but you knew that what you were doing was illegal and you were choosing to do it anyway and like is that really the best use of your potential jail time Mm -hmm. you know like I keep it pretty clean in my life outside of what I do on stage because like that's the one that's what I'm choosing that's where I'm choosing to take that risk and that's intentional that that tension is there for a reason I like that you know I'm not ever sure what's gonna happen I like that there's a weird countdown to when it does happen (laughs) I'm going to be arrested I don't know when you know um 
I don't know how everyone is going to react always, and it's it's important to me as part of what I'm doing to do that, um, and and to kind of like express that vulnerability at the beginning of what what you know, like I think that it's like important to be like putting myself in that position, um, and and I think that uh, a lot of people are breaking the law, but for for very dumb reasons, you know, that just aren't meaningful. I kind of went off on a tangent. I don't know what I was looping it back around to, but I just don't understand why, why, you know, you would break the law unless it was for something important, you know? Yeah, before we get uh, too far away from it, I do want to ask, like, when was the, when did you make the decision? How, was it something that you had been thinking about for a long time? Like, Mm-hmm. What was the first experience like? The first time that I did it was at a house show, and I had a fever. Um, and I was I was going through a weird, you know, like I I don't for a lot of reasons discuss specifically the things in my life that led me to do what I do, mostly because I'm a gentleman who doesn't want to upset my family in the press. Also, because once you say something in a sentence form, it becomes, uh, you know, a pull quote clickbait headline that sums up your whole work in something that happened to you. Mm -hmm. And then also because I think that I have explained in the record and in, you know, my description of the record enough that if you decide to think about it for two seconds... You sort of know kind of what happened. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I won't get too deeply into that it, to my personal, um, but I was, you know, was having a very insane period of my life. Um, and it just felt like what needed to happen for a lot of reasons. Um, for the attention that I knew it would receive, for a personal catharsis, um, you know, to... Uh, make people feel uncomfortable and surprised because I was bored also you know like there's there was plenty of reasons um and I the first time that I did it was at a house show I had an 102 degree fever um I knew I was going to do the paint thing also it was very very great uh initially starting to do this because people didn't know that the whole thing was going to happen now, like, there's a there's a real understanding of what our show is going to be when people come to it. Um, and But initially, you know, people were just expecting to, like, see this punk band, and we'd been, like, around and doing stuff for a while. And I'd always been interactive, but, you know, I hadn't done what I was doing. And, you know, there would be a lot of, like, screaming drunk teenage boys because we, we were playing punk house parties, you know, and they would, they would be very excited that I took off all my clothes you know, and then uh, and then I would start seizing and vomiting blue dye, but they wouldn't have known that that was going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, a very weird one-two punch of, like, now everyone knows that that's sort of the scenario. You know, it's our logo is a picture of me naked and spewing blue paint, you know? <laughs> but at the time, it was just, like, all of a sudden, the, 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 the pretty girl was naked and everyone was excited, and then all of a sudden, the pretty naked girl was spewing blue paint and on the floor and like you weren't sure for a second what was happening you know and that was cool in itself and kind of once 
once that lost its initial its initial zest was when I really started like developing I guess our material more um and our and our live show because I didn't want it to just be that ultimately but it was a good way to kind of like I guess cut our teeth on trying to get get seen more uh and get like you know have people know that it was like not just some regular thing that was happening and it, it definitely like made people go like oh there's something going on here and then kind of like once I felt like I'd gotten everybody's attention I tried to do something more with it you know yeah totally and so do you feel because there is that like I mean even from grown adults there is that giddiness of like oh something's happening that I'm not normally used to seeing mm-hmm. in the public sphere like do you feel like I I have seen shows that are similar to this where there is like a palpable shift in the audience like when they suddenly become comfortable and they're like this is like the reality of what's happening right now like do you feel that shift do you structure like your set list around that yeah well our set list is very structured because it's just the record in order um because i feel like it's the only way that i can hostage captive anybody to listening to it in order which is the whole point of the record but people just don't listen to stuff that way i actually so, do but i mean well again, you do but I'm like people do, but like explain. like people like people, people do yeah. people do but like people don't no, that's no. like no. when i mix saying. i make mixtapes for people and they're like oh i just put it on shuffle and i'm like how dare you no that's not the point uh you know so it's like so our live show is very strictly mm-hmm. uh the record as like a through composed like 40 minute long piece um and so it follows the arc of that. The moment of comfort is not when I put, like, there's a few moments where, like, I mean, like I said, it depends on who you are and where you're at in life, I think, the moment that you become comfortable. And I feel it from different people at different times of the show. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of, like, very cool and, uh, you know, hip musicians who are, comfortable right at the beginning of the show when I do like a like neither of you guys have seen us live but like I have like a kind of like um rhythm conducting sequence that we do at the beginning um to kind of get everybody on the same page and have a big exciting start and you know any of my like musicy friends are excited just about the tightness of that sequence and then they're engaged you know and then um you know some people become engaged right when the clothes come off and the paint comes out and there's all the screaming and everyone's like okay I'm down with this you know Uh, and then the beginning of the set is very like the first chunk of the set is very very a lot um because it's changing constantly like it's a lot of quick changes from one extreme to another there's like a long laughs track section there's like a there's a section where everyone's crying and I'm like conducting the pitch of the crying and there's like a choir moment and like a lot of screamy stuff and there's just like the first like few songs of the set like are it's a very chaotic start um and then and it's like unclear what who it is that I'm supposed to be to everyone you know and then there is a moment of relief when we get to the song Bark Like a God, which is one of the poppier songs of the record. Like when it goes into just a simple bluesy drum and bass track and I 
get really sexy for that song because it's a song that is just like based around you know this character willow that the record is about who you know was a stripper or whatever and uh it's a song that she would dance to and i've talked about that a little bit before and that's just how that song was written you know and it's meant to be very satisfying in that way um and so like that's the one song where like i kind of like am getting into like that vibe and there's a large exhale from the audience of like where it's like oh thank god now i understand that uh you know this is a picture i recognize finally i can breathe you know it's a it's a two minute long catchy song the girl is sexy i understand Huh. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. The intermission. Cool. <laughs> Finally, you know? And you seem really self-aware of, like, what good... Well, everything, actually. Almost like... <laughs> like but like, in particular, I was going to reference, like, when you talk about the extent to which the nudity works both artistically but also gets attention, things like uh-huh. that. So you clearly know the required, like, you know, the stuff you just kind of got to do to get people to pay attention. Oh, yeah. But you're still, it sounds very... Uh, devoted to keeping the set list the way it's got to be to work for the music. So I wonder, have you ever felt tempted knowing what you do about how to get an, a rise out of an audience to like lean on the classics, to not risk making them go through the ordeal first, start with like Barking no. God, never felt that temptation? No, because, um, and here's why. Which as a snob, I'm really relieved to hear that. Yeah, it would no. suck if you go out and just... No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> and and the, the reason is because, um, like, I mean, p- the song Potassium is also... Um, I mean, it has strange lyrics, but it's like the last song on the record and it's like very much like a ballad that's very uh, accessible also. Um, and uh, the song Where's My Wife is very, um, it's, I mean, like it's a, it's a, it's an aggressive song, but is uh, a very obvious, like you understand it immediately song. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is about those songs is that they're placed specifically within the set in a way that I think will make them the most effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of like really normal things are used to market stuff too much right now. Um, and that that, uh, it makes people not really trusting of things. Like you can't, like Potassium is like the most successful song in the set. People really? freak out during that song but it's only because it comes at the end of the set. If we started with that song, it would just be this cheesy ballad and people would relate the feelings that are being relayed to um, somebody trying to sell them, you know, a car. Right. Uh, And so that kind of message I think is only successful um, after you see what somebody went through to get to that message that is hopeful and positive and full of love you know and and I think the same goes like for Bark Like a God like if I just started off doing this song that was just kind of this like you know sexy hip swingy song like a lot of people make music like that like it's not special as a song on its own and and if we just played that you know there I don't think that it would like the reason that people clap when we start that song is not, and it's not even because they know it, it's people who don't know it, you know? Like they don't even know, it's because Mm -hmm. they had to endure all of this stuff that was really kind of hard to digest. 
and then it goes into it and you've earned it which is you know and that's and I don't like starting with it I don't even think would be good you know like I don't think anyone would even care about it and the same like the same goes for the rest of once the clothes go on people clap when I put my clothes on which is just amazing you know (laughs) like it's the best feeling in the world and uh and like and there's there's a moment in like the next song in the future it was me that burned it down that I go into kind of this like upsetting like monologue Mm -hmm. uh that after watching bark like a god you see the parties who uh you see the parties who were hooting and hollering during the last song you feel them take a moment to recognize themselves or something Hmm. you know what I mean and like and that and it's like the people who engage during bark like a god or something that's the moments where I can grab hands with them and take them the rest of the way you know and like that's it's similar in in all of the all of the songs there is like a moment where somebody who would relate to that song can now I can now grab hands with them and we're on the same page and we can walk to the finish line you know and that's is it the same kind of thinking when it's live as when it's recorded or those yeah. different because it seems it, it like it's it sounds like the journey that you take as a songwriter you are now taking the audience on yeah. that yeah. same journey of like the highs and the lows and like you think that you're good oh wait no this like feeling yeah. is coming back exactly you know? and you you know you gotta get the bad stuff in order to like in order to feel that high like totally you have to go through it's kind all of a mountain yeah of... it all has to be there and you know and then and the next record I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to like you know congratulate myself on something that I haven't done <laughs> um, but like you know the next record is like very uh, it's self-acknowledging but it's 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 melancholy it's mostly strings and piano it's a big like epic love thing um, cool. and uh, it's going to be recorded it's you know mostly orchestral instruments and it's going to be recorded in a cave um, so I have to figure out all those that's the math problem I'm doing right now so pardon me while I Which figure that out. Cave? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're telling me. Um, now I'm going on trips all the time, going looking at them, doing small field tests, all that kind of stuff. Um, but basically the, um, but like that record, you know, it won't. What, like I feel like if I put something out that was those things and just put it out, that people wouldn't engage with it as much as I feel like they will after having listened to this entire. Like, I think that like unfortunately our entire discography will always be supposed to be listened to in the whole order of the whole thing, hmm. which makes it like a hard sell for like a 2018 audience um, to demand active listening and to be like okay we're putting out this new record but like before you listen to it please listen to the one before it all the way through before pressing play on the next one you know yeah but i mean because i i've seen like i've seen theater shows that are like that where it's like no i expect you to do the work like i worked really hard on this thing and like you can do the work if you want to feel it the way if you want to get like the best possible experience out of this, like you have to do some work and it's really, really rewarding when you do that work as a viewer or as a listener. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's fair to demand, like you can demand it. People feel right now that you can't. Like I've had a lot of conversations with other people who make music and they're like, well, people won't. And And I'm like, but you can still try. And then some people will, Yeah, you know, like I can still, I can still stay all the time. Like I don't need to change my writing to satisfy you know the lowest common denominator like I think that like 
some people will listen to it correctly and i think that some people won't but will still like it anyway for different reasons and some people it's not their thing yeah let it, all the other artists race to the bottom you'll be alone at the top right? yeah i don't need to you know like i don't know i think that enough people put out singles that i don't have to yeah i can be the one that doesn't yeah. so just so it sounds like um when you're talking about willow it's is so i guess i have two kind of kind of questions is willow mm-hmm. more about you or more about this character and will this next album feel like the same character or is it on to another story that just kind of takes place afterwards the whole thing forever is a piece of paper unfolding mm-hmm. you know like and and i think that that uh that's all really that there is to say is that like the things that maybe don't make sense will be contextualized at a later time hmm. <laughs> you know and like and that you know there's kind of a web of things that I'm making that all span from like the same kind of set of ideas and like you know then like an amalgamation of things in my own head um, that like have to do with stuff that I've experienced that all turns into one weird picture you know like it's not like specifically um, it's not just like telling a story of what happened like it's also telling a story of things that are more true than the things that it happens yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> well said and so is this like i mean do you have like a grand design one day and decades from now that you'll look at all the albums and they'll fit in a way that fans will be able to identify or is it absolutely the... i have so many maps <laughs> that are literally written down and and on my wall you know like anybody who knows me like personally like knows about the uh the the web chart tree chart you're like a showrunner doing you know like it's it's (laughs) no to me that's part of the cool thing as a fan because i didn't know i didn't get any of that and like i said i mean not so i mentioned well i mean i haven't done anything else yet so it's not clear that there's gonna be a whole thing but it, it is you know like it's this project like you know, when I was 15 years old, I decided that this is what I was doing for my entire life. And I still feel that way. And like, so because of that, you know, just like in any trying to build a career uh, or trying to build a life for yourself, like there's a five-year plan, like there's a 10-year plan, like there's a retirement plan. You know what I mean? Like, cause this is what I'm doing. Like, it's not, it. it's not like this is something just that I like that I'm spending some time on and we'll see how it goes. Like, you know, whether or not it makes, like, like it's going to have to make money and it's going to have to succeed because it is what I'm doing. Like, and, and it just, like, the whole plan is there for what's going to have to be made and how much money I'm going to need to make it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. so I'm going to have to figure it out. That's fascinating to hear. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Stephanie, we both worked at TuneCore for a while, so I, I don't know if you had this reaction as I did. But on the one hand, in my experience, I've definitely met a lot of artists along the way who would totally sound the way you sound in terms of like, I knew when I was a kid is what I wanted to do. I know I'll do it forever. But not so many who would reference something that I would refer to as a 10-year plan. (laughs) (laughs) I think that just the level of like, like I said before, self-awareness that like, you can look at it that way and see the artistic nature of that is I think kind of unique. Definitely. Well, kind of trying to like... uh... It's weird. It's like it's like painting by numbers, kind of, except for like much more uh, 
liquid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I'm like the most organized and most disorganized person that I know. And somehow those things like manage to exist at once. Like, Same. I think that I, yeah, <laughs> I refer to myself as a man and his dog, <laughs> you know? And that's like, such that's a good line. And that's just true. Like, that's just true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. So uh, we we are getting to the point where we get to wrap up. I did have one question though. Cool. Um, just like going going with this larger conversation of your of your live shows is like it, it seems like to have you know this like very personal experience engaging with an audience that the venue like or like the type of venue would be very yes. critical. So is there um, like how what's your favorite type of venue to play? Like, how do you anticipate scaling it? Like mm-hmm. as your audience grows, it has changed a lot. You know, um, I used to really, really have like a high preference for like house shows or DIY shows because the energy of, from the audience at those places is like, it's unparalleled, you know, like I wanted like kids freaking out mm-hmm. and like, blah, like all this stuff, you know, and I wanted it to be like nasty and crazy and I wouldn't get kicked out you know (laughs) and um but I'm having to let that dream go because now we have a 10-piece band in which we practice every single day actually every day uh and I care very much about how it sounds um so now I mean now we need to play somewhere that's a venue with uh you know, with good sounds, I'm getting into lighting. Like I like, mm-hmm. I want it to look good. I want it to sound good. Um, and I'm tired and would like a green room, you know. <laughs> and that's where I'm at right now. And uh, and I love the idea of doing like a theaters type vibe at some point because most of those places have pianos. The next record is written primarily with piano and strings, and so I think that we're gonna need to kind of shift venues, like style of venue for that because uh, I don't want to do some super you know like crapola keyboard situation mm-hmm. for something that is supposed to sound good <laughs> and then um you know I was just talking to my friend about this yesterday like I mean I would kill to have to figure out how to play a stadium you know like when right. I like look at that stuff like that's just insane like to figure out how to uh I feel like people aren't doing it right you know like I think that there's yeah. a lot of really high production stuff happening but not a whole lot of heart that goes into things. Mm-hmm. And like, and like, I would love to sink my teeth into trying to figure out how to connect and have somebody relate to what's going on when I look like just an ant. I've thought a lot about that. I got told on two separate occasions this year going to like a stadium show that I was talking too loud, which yeah. I did not think was a thing at a really? rock show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Granted, one of them was like an old, they were both older. I went with them, yeah. not young people, but like, I've actually thought about that a lot. That it's almost like sometimes the bigger a band gets, especially me, who's tragically cursed to be uncool forever. Like by the time I've heard about it, usually they're playing a bit of stadium. It's almost like they've graduated out of the place that yeah. made them. And unfortunately, a lot of people have trouble growing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend yesterday. Also, like it's weird. I was just having this conversation yesterday about growth as an artist, and I think that. Um, a lot of like there's a lot of like bedroom artists right now like bedroom recording home recording stuff um that's like lo-fi all very like i think that that stuff is cool uh, um but 
that sometimes those artists will start to succeed and then they make a studio album and they've been doing all these DIY shows and now they're playing these larger venues to these larger audiences, but they continue to do the same style of thing, only now it's become sanitized right. mm-hmm. and they can't fill, and it can't fill a st- like a large room. And, a, and they're tricked into thinking it's succeeding because everyone who's going has already decided to like it. Because it's capital They've S. They've decided success. beforehand right. that right. they're going to enjoy what they're about to see. And then they do because they spent money so they have to love it. And they right. won't leave. So the other you half know? is like challenging yourself and too. So, and so like, but you know though, like deep down you know. Because when we started playing slightly larger stages, my performance suffered. You know, like, I felt it suffer when it changed, for, like, when we were used to playing, like, crazy DIY, like, face-to-face, playing on the floor type stuff. And, like, I was complaining about wanting better sound and complaining about wanting to play on a stage and wanting to do something bigger and better and more interesting, you know. And then people were finally starting to be like, okay, here you can play this show where you have a sound check and it's on a stage and you have all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would get up there and I would, like, just be stiffer. You know, like I, because I wasn't sure how to operate anymore, you know, and like, and I think that a lot of people just kind of stop right there. And then they're like, well, you know, live, the the bigger venues, they just have a little bit more of a sterile feeling. And that's just that. Yeah. The end, you know, but like, you know, I just started, I, the realization that I came to was that like our performances had to turn into a little bit less of an interaction and a little bit more of a spectacle the instrumentation had to get tighter. You know, the 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 subtle imagery had to become less subtle. You know, like it just, cause I, there was people further away. I had to do less stuff that was on the floor cause people couldn't see it from far away. You know, and like just that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and same with, you know, when you switch from home recording to going to a studio, like you should start making you know, bigger choice, paint with broader strokes, you know, because like you have different resources now. Um, and, and I think people aren't being realistic about that because they're worried about like losing their authentic fan base, etc. you know, but those are the risks that you take when you start to grow. And I just, I would, I would treasure the experience of failing playing a stadium for my first time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's actually, that's like, really getting my butt kicked by that situation <laughs> and being like, wow, I did not know how to do that, and that did not go well. I will do but better. Hopefully, they next will give me time. another chance. Yeah. <laughs> no, that yeah. actually reminds me. I saw Lizzo a couple of months ago uh, with Haim at Radio City, and she was talking about playing Mercury Lounge. And I was like, it is so strange to me that you, Lizzo, who has like this huge stage presence that is like, that is like everybody at Radio City is on board with what you're doing fully like could play that small of a venue so Mm -hmm. it's like the opposite even of like i can't even imagine you having been that small yeah when like when you do adapt to these larger spaces exactly and you're like yeah and i mean like for us like mercury lounge is still like a larger you know like we're like moving in like the different direction where it's like it's still like now it's like oh sick we're playing somewhere with good sound and like finally we're somebody that can fill that but like having filled that like i would like for it to, i would like to be again challenged soon you know that's awesome. oh, yeah. so uh, i guess my last question is uh what piece of advice could you give like 15 year old haley who's just starting out um 
Do not let people fool you about trying. Because like I think that there's a large, like if you are 15 years old and entering a music scene, there's gonna be a lot of people who look really successful who are like between the ages of 21 and 30, who are like playing to big crowds of, you know, like their friends and their crew and their community and they're on all of the like cool sick bills that are local and they're touring so that must mean they're famous type people around who are sitting around and smoking a lot of weed and drinking a lot of beer and when you talk about a big idea of wanting to learn how to arrange strings or wanting to practice every day with your band or you know like wanting to do this that or the other thing are going to tell you that like you don't have to be doing that they're going to be like you don't even have to be doing that for what you're trying to do like you don't have to do that and like once again like this circles back to the reminder that when you make music that is the part that's good is learning how to do something new and challenging yourself and that like you absolutely must work as hard as you can at all times forever you know because that's the whole thing like that's the part that's good and so like don't let some people who are failing and feel bad about their own laziness um tell you not to try harder that trying really hard is not cool um because they're not cool you know mm -hmm. either like no one's cool and um and i guess also just that like being being sure of yourself is a is an incredible superpower the ability to make decisions is all that you actually need um people don't know how to be decisive right now because we're offered too many options like way more than us as human beings like know how to process um like our species you know is made to survive like survival is what your body is meant to do and what your brain is meant to do and like you scroll through a million things a day and everything seems like kind of something that you want you know but to want something like it's hard to tell when you don't want something you know because everything seems kind of like something that you could want until you want something which is the most potent feeling in the entire world. You know when you feel it, you know when you want something. And like, you should not settle for anything less than what you want. And like, when you want something, like you are sure and you should trust yourself and just be, like, be, be willing to be sure all the time. Um, and it makes it that you can just do anything that you want, you know? Amen. I was just gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Um, Haley, do you have shows that you want to plug? Social? When is this coming out? Um, very soon. Like, like when? Like either <laughs> like uh, tomorrow or next Monday. <laughs> Which for our listeners may not make sense, but we'll clarify that later. Hello, listeners. <laughs> I will say that on July 20th, we're playing at Brooklyn Bazaar with Lydia Lunch. Awesome. Which is very exciting. That will be really cool. Uh, and then on... August 24th, we're playing with Pill and Material Girls at Alphaville. Uh, and we're touring in August, so check out our tour dates on our Facebook and Instagram. Which is? I mean, like, you know, Sloppy Jane Band, but with two Ds on Instagram, because they deleted our other one. <laughs> with one D. Uh, and then... And then Facebook, I think it's, you know, slash Sloppy Jane Music. But if you just search Sloppy Jane, it will come up. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Um, Alex, you want to say anything else? 
Thanks for coming. This yeah. was great. Thanks Thank so much. much for having us. <laughs> yeah. Us. Thank you for having us. All, all, of, all of us here. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individuals talking and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of TuneCore. Check out TuneCore.com to help you distribute your music, register your original songs worldwide, and more. Connect with us on all social channels at TuneCore. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes.